This is an ABC podcast. Norman, your public is relentless. Most of the questions we get to abc.net.au slash coronavirus aren't even about the virus. They're just about you and your personal habits. So are you ready for a pop quiz? Okay, well, why not? How's your knee? My knee's getting better, actually. I'm able to bench lift or whatever you call that flexi machine, you know, more kilos than I used to be. My physio wants me to get to 50 kilos and I'm now at 29 kilos and we started at pathetic 11. All right, tick. Are you still saying rat test or have you seen the light and realised the T stands for test? I am trying to stop saying it. Rapid antigen test. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Or rat. And rat doesn't really roll off the tongue either. It's hard. When you're saying it, are you wearing a mask? (laughs) Not right now. I have been chastened by the Chronicast audience and much more careful. And But anyway, I didn't need much chastening to wear it on a plane. So I've had a lot of plane trips recently and I've been wearing an N95. Uh, and the perennial question, how often are you going to the gym? I'm going about six days a week. Oh my gosh, you're an inspiration. Going to keep the orthopaedic surgeon away from that knee. <laughs> well, now that we've got that out of the way, let's do an episode of Coronacast, a show all about the coronavirus and other viral nasties we have to live with. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor on Jagera and Turrbal Land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan on Gadigal Land. It's September 28th, 2022. The world's eyes have been on Russia and the Ukraine for the last few months with good reason because there's war happening there. But it's not the only potential threat that's coming from that part of the world, Norman. We've spent the last two years talking about a particular coronavirus, but of course there are many coronaviruses in the world. And one has been detected in Russia that doesn't seem to have infected humans yet, but it still has authorities concerned. Yes. It's uh, called Costa 2. And in fact, uh, it's the sister virus to Costa 1, as you might imagine, comes out of Russian horseshoe bats and is a Sarbicovirus. In other words, the same family as SARS-1 and SARS-2. And horseshoe bats are important because that's where they think that SARS-1, the original SARS and, and of course, COVID may be originated. That's right. And um, they weren't too worried about Costa 1, but Costa 2 is causing them some concern because it looks as though Costa 1 has evolved to be able to use the ACE2 receptor. In other words, it's got the potential to infect humans because the ACE2 receptor, as regular coronacast listeners would know, is the way that the coronavirus gets into the human body, at least the SARB coviruses get into the human body. And therefore, you've got the potential here for this virus to infect humans. Now, they've also looked, this is a study that actually has been peer-reviewed in a journal called Plus Pathogens. And what they've done here is that they've looked at how this responds, this COSTA-2 virus responds to antibodies, monoclonal antibodies that are used to treat SARS-CoV-2 and serum, in other words, blood from people vaccinated for SARS-CoV-2. So the regular antibodies for SARS-CoV-2 and found that it was resistant to these antibodies. So it's a worry because perhaps if you were unlucky enough to catch this virus, the vaccine or the protection that you'd have from our current vaccines or previous infections, COVID wouldn't help you. But if it hasn't actually infected humans yet, why are we worried? Because it has the potential to. So we've been focused on China and Asia for wildlife reservoirs of Sarbi coviruses. Now we find outside of Asia uh, a potential threat here, which is this virus that could infect humans, 
and is resistant to the antibodies to SARS-CoV-2 and therefore the vaccines to SARS-CoV-2. So this is a worry. So we don't know how contagious this would be. We don't know how dangerous it would be in humans. And what they're worried about here is that if you've got viruses like this, so it's an illustration really of what's going on in the environment and how vulnerable we could be, particularly if we haven't got adequate global surveillance for new viruses emerging, is that you could get this virus going into a human with SARS-CoV-2 and that the virus exchanges genes. So there's what's called a recombination event and you get mixing of the two viruses and the cluster 2 virus acquires the nastiness of SARS-CoV-2 and could become quite dangerous and we could be very vulnerable to it. The other point that's made in this study is that when you look at the development of what's called a universal sarbicovirus vaccine, in other words, one in theory that would cover all future versions of SARS-CoV-2, they're not actually developing a vaccine that would cover viruses such as this. Right. So this is a pretty hypothetical situation, but it's one that if we want to be on the front foot, these are the sorts of discussions that we need to be having. Yeah. And that a universal coronavirus vaccine needs to actually cover possibilities such as this. They're also finding viruses, coronaviruses, there which have entry points that they don't understand yet, so it's not the ACE2 receptor. What you've got to remember is there's two reasons why vaccines were able to be developed quickly at the beginning of the pandemic. One is that you had vaccine technologies ready to go, thanks to funding from people like Bill Gates. But secondly, they were kind of expecting a coronavirus pandemic and they knew all about the spike protein, how it got into cells and so on. And so they were heading for where the money was right from the get-go. They didn't have to re-research the coronavirus. They knew where they were heading for. New viruses are coming from the animal kingdom. There might be entirely different ways that the virus gets into the body. So this is the sort of groundwork that we lay now so that we don't get caught uh, off guard next time because there will be a next time. So when the the SARS-CoV-2 emerged in China, it sort of fueled stigma around China. Russia isn't very popular in the global stage at the moment. What does it mean politically to be sort of pinning this on Russia? Well, I'm not sure you pin it on Russia. You pin it on the Russian horseshoe bat and bats fly, bats spread between, you know, between them and with other animals. Borders are very leaky when it comes to animals, particularly of the flying kind. So you can't blame the Russians for this much as we like to blame Putin. Um, you can't blame him for the Russian horseshoe bat and this particular virus. But uh, And paradoxically, at the moment, with borders being largely closed to Russia, there is some protection here um, in terms of viruses like this. But there's plenty of coronavirus in Russia, and this could get into uh, the Russian population, exchange genes, and become quite infectious and quite nasty. And as much as this is talking specifically about this virus in this geolocation, it's also really a signal that these viruses are all over the world and that surveillance globally is so important. That's right. And we haven't got that act together again. It's largely voluntary and not terribly well organised officially by large organisations globally. 
So let's talk about surveillance of uh, of our favourite virus or the virus we mo- we talk most commonly about, SARS-CoV-2. And the the newest variant that we need to track in Coronacast variant tracker time is 2.75.2. Why is this one attracting attention? So it's not just this one. It's uh, There are a few new variants emerging that they're watching closely all roughly within the Omicron families, one called BQ1.1, BA2.3.2, and then there's this one, the 2.75.2. And what they're, why they're worried about this is that it's just beginning to show itself as BA5 declines. This one is just beginning to show itself in very low numbers internationally. And when they study it, and I have to say yet again on Coronacast, this is a preprint. It's not being, being peer-reviewed, therefore it may not be quite right. But when they actually look at how well 2.75.2 is controlled or neutralized by SARS-CoV-2 antibodies, it's not good news. It's 6.5 times less well neutralized than BA5. So this is a significant evolution. It evolved from what was called the Centaurus virus, 2.75. There are three mutations that are giving them cause for concerns in concern in areas of the virus, the viral genome, associated with immune escape. So what worries them is that this could be the next variant or subvariant because it evades the immune system, both the natural immune system and the immunity generated by vaccines. So we've just got to watch this. As we know from previous variants of many kinds, some come to nothing and some come to something. But the story here with both the bat virus from Russia and this is, it ain't over yet. Constant vigilance. So with 2.75.2, we need to come up with a snappier name, son of Centurion, I guess, uh, or daughter. What do we know about its um, severity or is that is that not known yet? It's not known yet. And again, Coronacast listeners would know well that you can't really make the call on that one until it's been out in large numbers of people and you've got a sense of it. And it's been a minute since we've answered an audience question, Norman, and this one's quite timely because we heard uh, Brett Sutton in Victoria talking about monkeypox over the weekend, that the the case rate there has slowed right down, which is fantastic news, although there do seem to still be cases popping up um, here and there. And this person's asking, does the smallpox vaccination I had as a child half a century ago protect me from monkeypox? In theory, it does. People like Rhina McIntyre, who published on monkeypox, do believe that uh, there is still some coverage from smallpox vaccination in the past. What's not entirely clear is whether this new vaccine they've got, which is safer, the two-shot vaccine that we've acquired in Australia, and there's more coming at the end of this year, whether that is as effective against monkeypox as people say, because that too is a smallpox vaccination. So that is not entirely clear, but it, there is a belief based on some data, that the smallpox vaccination does have a, have a quite a long overhang. Right. So, that I mean, that's a really long time for it to be hanging out in your body and still doing that job. You know, declaration of interest, I've got that vaccination too. Oh, well, hope, hope it protects you. Uh, well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. You can send your questions via abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we will see you next time. See you then. 